Welcome to the RadicalRelationships.Love podcast. You're here because you're awesome, and we like that. So sit back and enjoy the show. So, Kim, when you do talks on connected parenting, I've been in the audience many times, and the part that seems to have everybody wake up, grab a notepad or, or a phone to take a picture of your slide, and the part that has people emailing you afterwards or commenting to me or you about how it really impacted them, was the four stages of parenting. Oh, yeah. The four C's. <laughs> We're back to four C's. Okay, good. You, know, you used to have judgments against <laughs> kind of, sort of making sermons out of four C's or yeah. four D's or things that rhyme. The four or whatever. D's of successful Christian living. Okay. But these four C's grabbed you. Would you fill us in on where you got this from? And Yeah, they came from a ministry called JH Ranch down in California. We went for a day just to look at the camp. Camp is set up just as a uh, a week, six days, with a parent and a child. So that's kind of the focus of the camp. They also do marriage stuff, and they also do shorter uh, outback weekends of the same kind of content. But they had a whole session just on parenting, and it was for the parents. And we sat down, and they began to talk about the four C's of parenting. And I realized that, had I known this, I may have parented different. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first two are kind of common sense oh yeah I'm that that right of course the first one's caregiver right it's like we all know that stage age zero to five kind yeah of thing. and you're just you're, you're caring for the kid it it i mean sociologists say that that our worldview is pretty much formed by age five so the fact that uh, this caregiver stage is pivotal because that's where kids get the 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 understanding and the core beliefs begin to get formed about, do I have value? What's my view on my own voice? What's my view on my own value? What's my view on money? What's my view on men? What's my view on women? What's my view on even sexuality? Even at that young age, you're starting to, to see how uh, all this works. What's what's my view on conflict? What you know? What happens when I have negative emotion? Do I do I share it? Can I share it? Mm-hmm. And what happens when I share it? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I get in trouble? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do I have lost all my value if I screw up? Are you committed to me? How do I belong? Am I? How safe am I? Yeah, all that. Am I significant? Do I you know? Do I have any level? So, so all that stuff is pretty much formed by age five. We come back around at twelve, thirteen, and then twenty-one. Uh, those are three stages when their brain seems to be most malleable and open. So, so that caregiver—I don't want to gloss over that. That's hugely important. Wait a second. You mentioned that you come around again at two different times in life, mm-hmm. in developmentally. What do you mean, come around again? You begin to reevaluate your core beliefs, and that's when significant change often happens. Okay. It's like you you change your convictions, you change your core beliefs, you realize that maybe how you were raised is not how you want to live. Right. Uh, or you want to double down on some of the things that you had, you know, slight impressions about. It's like, I really want to go after that. And I'm not saying change can't take place on other ages, but that just seems to be three different ages where, where we're most uh, adaptable. Gotcha. Okay. So that's caregiver, and that's the first part which is pivotal the second one is cop and that seems to be the one that most parents identify with oh yeah cop i got that 
This is where you sometimes you catch your kids doing something and then you have to figure out what, you know, you have to discipline it. The consequence. The consequence. And so it could be natural mm-hmm. consequence. It's like, you know what? If you cannot get along with your brother, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to get along with your friend at his house. So the natural consequence is if this bickering continues, then you won't be able to go to your friend's house. Our yeah. boys remember that one. Oh, yeah. Time. They like, hated that. <laughs> yeah, natural consequences. We're, we're brutal. <laughs> it's like, no, give me chores. It's like, no. And so whether it's a, you know, a timeout, um, we have found that go to your room sends a message of, I don't even want you, you know, around my face. And so we, we pulled back on, on the, the go to your room concept right. and tried to do timeouts in the same room, uh, where, you know, you sit in a chair and we just went, you know, you, we're, we're willing to talk, but we want you to understand the gravity of what mm-hmm. you just did. Uh, you know, that's where we tried to teach reflective listening as far as, you know, how do you think your behavior impacted your sibling? Uh, do you feel understood? And so those conflict management scenarios kind of comes in the, the cop stage. This is still, I mean, this is up to age, you know, 12, 13, 14. It depends on how fast your child matures. So during this stage, you are basically setting forth the rules of life. Yes. And this is right. This is wrong. Yes. This is a good idea. This is a bad idea. Yes. It's still, I mean, this is still the phase when you, you're, you, as a parent, you have a voice. And your kids will still listen to you because you're the parent. And generally, they want to be good for you at this yeah, stage. Still. hopefully, you know. And I mean, it, it still kind of works when you say, you know, because I said so. I mean, that's really unsatisfying, but <laughs> you can still get away with that in this stage. Because they get authority has real power, yeah. like a cop. Yeah. A cop has real power. So this is cop mode where you're looking and you're saying, okay, I want to train this, or I want to make sure that you understand the rules. I want to make sure that, that you get appropriate discipline when you break the rules. Hopefully, attachment is still high, so the kid, uh, the child, really, you know, knows that they have value, uh, knows that they have a voice, knows what to do with their negative emotion, knows what to do with conflict, and that's part of the training. So, cop is is a little narrow. I mean, it sounds almost like cop counselor mode, right? But anyway, so that's the cop mode. Well, and cop isn't bad. No, it's fantastic. You're keeping them safe. Yes. Part of the cop is. The whole, the whole desire is to create a safe environment for yep. everyone to play. Speaking of playing, the next one's called coach. Okay. And this is the corner that most of us have difficulty navigating. We're just kind of barreling down the cop lane, and all of a sudden, a blind corner comes up on us, and we never know when it's going to hit. Could I mean, you could have a, a child that starts to individuate and go into a bit of shades of rebellion at you know, 10, 11, 12, when they're like, because I said so, it doesn't work anymore. Right. You know, it's like, well, that's not what somebody else said. Or, you know, and they, oh, there are silent defiance. You can just see it in their face. So the curve is puberty. Yeah, yes. An individuation where the child begins to go, I'm not so sure I, I want to do what you tell me to do. Right. I may want to suffer the consequence uh, because I want to do it my way. And I'm not sure you're right all the time. No, I'm not sure you're right. And it's not that during cop mode, kids think their parents are right all the time. No. Nope. They can be furious with them or whatever, but they recognize the authority. Yeah, their cognitive capacity is probably not high enough for them to have an intelligent argument. <laughs> not generally. Not generally. I mean, you got some super kids, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so they're, you know, this, this coach mode, it's like it's, you're not actually on the court with your child. Mm. They're, they're the ones playing the game. So this is, I mean, Jesus did this really well. Watch me while I do this. 
and then I'm going to get you to partner with me for a bit. And then I'm going to put you on the court and I'm going to watch you from the side as you do what I've commanded you to do. And if you don't, then I have some input. If you do, it's, this is, wasn't that phenomenal. So this is very uh, kingdom-oriented. But this, this coach mode tends to be more difficult because a lot of parents tend to try to stay in the cop mode where they will pull the kids aside and go, you, you failed, get off the court. Uh, whether it's, I mean, I've heard a lot of parents go, well, my child didn't handle their, their, their phone usage well at age 17, so I took their phone from them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's not a coach mode. That's, that's a cop mode. There, there's a lot of ways that we can go into cop mode, whether it's curtailing, you're not allowed to be with that friend, <laughs> right? You're, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. What, what I think wisdom would say is I, in, in coach mode, I want to teach my kids how to make mistakes and be around them so that when they make mistakes, I can be there for them. Wow. Not to catch them, not to, not to discipline. Discipline changes at this point. There may still be some discipline. You know, when, when they're young, the rules are high and the relationship is low. When they get older, relationship is high and rules are low. Why? Because I want them to be able to, to, to make their own value, values, commitments and values, decisions. I want them to go, oh, I don't want to watch that kind of movie. I don't want to watch that kind of TV show. I don't want to, I don't want to swear when I talk. I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with people that, that are losing control with, with substance abuse. I don't want to do that. Because they have an internal... Yes, understanding of why they want yes or don't want this is where they're adopting their own values and so for me to stay in cop mode i'm saying this needs to be your value this needs to be your value and number one concern of parents in north america is that our kids will not adopt our values which is why we stay in cop mode it's like we're we're teaching them to drive but we're grabbing the steering wheel actually did that (laughs) (laughs) maybe twice Well, if they're headed towards a wall, it makes sense. But, and that's the way it feels like as a parent. My kid's headed towards a wall. I right. absolutely have to grab the steering wheel. Right. And so to say, I want, in coach mode, I want to teach my kid how to make mistakes and then be there for them. I want them to actually value mistakes and not go into performance orientation where they're like, unless I perform perfectly, I don't have value. It's like, no, I want to be here for you when you make mistakes. Uh, whether it's you, you know, the kid forgot to put insurance on, a, on on the car for a while, which we have stories on. It's like okay, this you 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 forgot. Now I could go into cop mode and say you lose the privilege of having the car, or I could allow them to pay the ticket and pay for the extra insurance and lose a few points on their license. However, it works wherever you live, but that's a natural consequence that I get to let my kids go through. Now, what I hear from parents is. They're old enough at this stage to make life-altering mistakes. It's true. Whether it's you know uh, getting pregnant, uh, you know an unwanted pregnancy, or drug addiction, or you know their friendship choices actually impact their 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 values choices, which impact what they do with with their time, what to do with their money, what to do with their freedom. And and I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, there there's sometimes I think we need to step in like coaches do 
<laughs> yes. Pull you aside and go, okay, this, you, you've, you've learned this, you've learned how to do this. And it, and if you continue to do this, this will be devastating for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll not be able to get where you want to go if you continue to do this. So I'm going to send you back on the court right. uh, with some new skills, with some new mindsets. But I'm here for you. I value you. I love and adore you. But this is quite dangerous. Does this make sense? Do it. I mean, I want to hear what you have to say. All the reflective listening skills we talked about, some calm parenting skills in another podcast. But that all kicks in at this point. But that's the hardest corner I believe to navigate is from yeah. cop to coach. And what age range do you see the coach going from? So you said um, coaching could start as early as ten, but but commonly starts around twelve. Right. So so. 12, 10 to... I mean, this goes, you know, at the end of high school, usually, 16, 17 kind of thing. Uh, If a kid stays home for college, it can go... I mean, because when you have a a child in your own house, there are different rules, right? I mean, the kid, when he goes to college, is going to say, oh, I don't have to obey any of my parents' house rules. Why? Because I'm not in their house. You're in the dorm. (laughs) I'm in the dorm, right? And so that's why I want my kids to make mistakes at home, because when they go to the dorm, I don't want them to go... Woo, freedom! And all of a sudden, like, just go off the rails. Right. I want them to be able to make mistakes and gain their own values while living at home. Right. So that means you're lessening the rules yes. at home. Now there are common rules of living together. We can talk yeah. about that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, because, like roommate rules. Right. Roommate yeah. rules. You you still live with somebody, yeah. and what you do clean up after yourself. Them. You would which you would do in any roommate context. Right. Right. But yeah. So there. There are still, we, we tried to reduce all of our, you know, these are important to us to, to two, three, four things. So we're like, these are kind of non-negotiables for how we live. When you say we, I do recall that I was a bit more resistant to that. I had a whole bunch, <laughs> I was, I was comfortable with the cop mode. I thought the cop mode should go on kind of indefinitely, be, not because I needed control over them, because I was afraid. Of? them failing on the falling on their face hurting themselves you know Uh, the the protective mama bear thing and so i identify with people who are saying you know i love my kids too much to let them make mistakes i get that yeah it makes a lot of sense doesn't it but it it doesn't serve them well no it's not the best for them right so uh, so when you say coach I envision a coach running along the side, right, <laughs> yeah. of the of the court or the field or whatever yeah. game they're playing and kind of calling out encouragement. Yeah, and mostly encouragement. Yeah, mostly encouragement because like, what I you mean, did like say 20 was... 20 to 1 encouragement. Right. That's, that's John Gottman's uh, prescription for healthy relationships. 20 positive for everyone negative. That's a lot of positive. That's a lot of positive. And, it can't and that's just what be... coaches do, though. Right. That's their primary job. Not to, I caught you doing something wrong. I caught you doing something wrong. That's more cop mode. Cops are like looking, cops are scanning for what's wrong, which I don't even think is a healthy context for parenting. I would love even for the cop mode for us to scan for what is right, because I think people are more motivated by uh, encouragement than they are by dis- by discipline and I caught you, right. right? So even in cop mode, learn to scan for what's right, speak to it. That will increase attachment, which will make your kids want to be good for you. So good. So, but in coach mode, it definitely is go way more into encouragement. I'm just scanning all the time for anything I can see. Well, and that's what I see 
in caregiver mode, actually, is you're always being positive. Like, yeah. oh, look, you pooped in the toilet. <laughs> Woo! So, <laughs> so actually, that's... Try where, that when they're 17. So you heard you those four Cs. The t- and then we talked about, we said, you know, I think the cheerleader mode, it needs to go through. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah, and, that positive sentiment override, which got John got just like this constant encouragement. Scan for what's right. Speak to it. Affirm it. Gift to it. Yeah. Positive Positive sentiment override. Yeah. That's from John Gottman. Yeah. Right. So he's the guru of relationships. We yeah. keep referring to his research because it is... Oh, it's powerful. So it, and it's so well documented. Yeah. And it, you'll see it everywhere if you're studying any kind of psychology of any yeah. kind. Yeah. So that's the third mode, coach mode. Uh, so some of you are going, I need to shift over to coach mode. You know, and some of you are going, my kid's already left house and I'm still in cop mode. You know, right. it's like they call from college, not often, probably, if you're in cop mode, because if you're in cop mode, you're looking for something that's wrong and then you're going to speak to it. So so that's the hardest corner. The next one is called consultant, which is where I don't speak into my child's life unless I either have permission or they have asked for it. I'm consultant, right? And so if what's consult- the difference between permission and asked for it? I, I can ask. I can approach my my child and say, okay. "I have some input. Do you want to hear gotcha. it?" Gotcha. Or if they say, "You know, mom, dad, in this area, or dad, or just mom, in this area of cooking, if you ever notice anything, so it's kind of like a carte blanche." Yeah, yeah. Open yeah. door, right? We, I, we call I it chose drive- cooking. <laughs> right, you did. I, I, we we look at it as a drive drive through window. Right. right. It's like when the window is closed, you don't try and stuff input into the drive through window, because then that increases resentment. Right. So lots of rules with no relationship equal rebellion and resentment. Mm. And I have talked to so many families where they're like, my kid doesn't even want to be with me. Mm. And, that, and because the child is going to peer orientation. Mm. And so. So their peers values, their peers opinions trump the parents. Absolutely. Opinions. And that's, that becomes devastating for the parents. Like my voice no longer matters. My, my perspective no longer matters. So my, my kid just wants to be with his friends. And I'm like, that is unacceptable. Do not put up with that. Don't don't just say, well, that's how that's it is. The way, that's what I did when I was a kid. Whatever. It's like, no, I actually want I'm, I want my wife and my voice to be the most powerful voice in our, in our children's life. Other than the, the voice of Jesus, I want our voice to be really powerful. So we worked really hard. Uh, now, they had lots of good friends, and they loved being with their friends. But when it came time to who do I listen to, who whose voice do I put weight on, I wanted my voice. And I realized that my voice was beginning to lose power. Especially when I when they said, well, we don't actually want to spend time with you, Dad. Like we would set up uh, <laughs> man hour. I, I thought I was like father of the year when I set up man hour. This was just time for father, son. Uh, like we had three sons. And so time for father and son to get together and talk about man things. And I thought this was like the best thing in the world. And so we did it for a couple of years every month. And then I think Matthew was probably 13 and it came time for man hour. I'm like, hey, man, I want to take you on man hour this weekend. He goes, yeah, I don't want to go. Shock. And I'm like, you know. I remember. I remember your face. I was devastated. Like, what? How could you not? And Joel was nearby and he heard that Matthew didn't want to go. He's 11. Yeah, he goes, yeah, I don't want to go either. (laughs) Okay. What just happened? And what was happening is that they were becoming peer-oriented because I was leaning on the rules more than I was investing in relationship. And, and but so it surely took, not. It, you took them on man hour. That's relationship. How is no? That wasn't relationship. relationship. That was me looking for something that was wrong and then speaking correction to it. Seriously. Yeah. So you are 
So what are you doing during man hour? Well, they would say something like, oh, I, we went to there with his friend. Uh, oh, this was so funny. He told this joke. And I'm like, I think that joke is inappropriate. <laughs> what else does this friend or, do? <laughs> you know, and so I'm now scanning for what this... And I've got my, my antenna up and my warning flags out for this friend. And I'm, and I'm beginning to say, you know, you may need to back off from that friendship. You may need to invest in another friendship. I've got some other ideas for you about some people that could be more life-giving or whatever the concept was. And so I just... I began to speak correction. And so I was doing advice, correction, oh no, have you considered, if you continue, those were the basic components of Man Hour. Well, so that's what you're doing in Man Hour, but that's what I was doing when they were coming home from school. I was, so how was your day? And then I'd have all these little interjections. Oh, that's Ooh. concerning. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And so, have you done your homework? Have you done your chores? Yeah. So who wants to spend time with somebody who's constantly That's what I realized. I would never that. want to spend hours with anybody who, right. who their constant feedback was, ooh, concern, warning, advice, should, ought, have Essentially, you I'm disappointing them. So why give them information to, yeah. to be more disappointed? Yeah. So I had to do a dramatic shift. I had realized that my kids no longer want to spend time with me one-on-one to talk about serious things. I have failed as a father. So I read this book, uh, Dr. Gordon Neufeld, Hold On to Your Kids, and it just rang my bell. And he talked about how kids become peer-oriented because the parent's no longer a safe place, how the parents direct before we connect, we solve solve before we soften, all these things that, that I'm like, whoa, what? I remember you trying to get me to read the book. I did not want to read the book. Why? Because that was going to mean that I was going to have to back off of the direction. And they need direction. These kids are, they're, they're head for trouble. Yeah, but you weren't trying to control them. <laughs> no, I mentioned before earlier. It was out of fear. I, I, I didn't want them to fail. But, right. but the fear was propelling me into uh, an estrangement with them, essentially. Like, right. they, they didn't want to be around a fearful person. No, no. They're, they can do anything until I tell them they can't do anything like, without oh, me. <laughs> so. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. So I had to back up. Right. It's like, okay, how do I connect? And I, I remember them coming home, and I don't know if they were testing me, but it sure felt like it. Everything feels like a test, right? And so I'm like, so they would tell me a story. This is the... You know, they, Joel came home and, and had, had an overnight sleepover, which we don't do a lot. But this is the Nikki Nikki Nine Door. And we have that. Uh, and, we, and I'm like, what? You rang some doorbells at 1 a.m. And I remember going, okay, don't correct, don't direct, don't should, ought, have you considered warning, advice. You said don't connect. Did I? Yeah. I meant to say don't correct. Okay, sorry. Okay. And I'm like, man, what? Okay, what do I do? Well, I go into discovery and exploration. That's what I do. So I try to think of, okay, what could I possibly discover about this time that I have a very low view about? Did you have a good time? Oh, man, it was awesome. Were you excited? I was so jazzed. I'm so glad he talked to you because my <laughs> face wouldn't have, my yeah. face would have expressed horror and he would have stopped. Yeah. So I'm in cop mode. Like He, he was probably 16 at the time. So I'm firmly in, in, sorry, in coach mode. And I'm like, okay, coach, 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 and I don't want to, I don't want to direct, should, ought, uh, concern, have you considered, if you continue, whatever that mode is, you know. And so I just began to ask a discovery and exploration questions, and I remember him looking at me, going, I, yeah, I, I enjoy this, you know, this is really good. Now I was thinking, how long do I have to do this before I can correct him? Right. So later that night, I'm like, Joel, 
I'm so glad you told me about that Nikki Nikki Nine Door thing. Uh, which, by the way, if you don't know what that is, they go and ring doorbells of homes of people they don't know at one or two o'clock in the morning and freak everybody out and, and laugh about it. Run away. Run away. Hide. So, I said, I so appreciate you telling me about that. I, I have some input on that that I'd like to give you. And uh, he said, okay. And I'm like, you know, your, your grandparents are sick. And your grandpa's got struggling with cancer right now. And grandma is not sleeping very well. What do you think they would do if somebody knocked on their door at 1 a.m.? And just that. Now, I could have brought that when he first told me. Shut down the story. Shut down the excitement. And, and in his brain, he's going, don't tell dad anything. Right. Because dad's going to turn this into an opportunity for a teaching moment. Which I'm famous for my teaching moments, right? And I wanted to drop that. I don't want to get famous for my teaching moments. I want to get famous for my uh, connection, my attachment, my excitement, my discovery, my exploration, my good questions. And but he got it in that moment. He goes, "Oh my goodness, I never thought about that." And I don't. I don't want to do that. I, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm like, "Okay, that sounds like a good decision." Uh, I just, I, I wasn't sure that you'd actually thought through what's happening in these homes. You only thought about how exciting is this for people to come outside and... Because <laughs> you know that Joel loves people. Yes. He wants to yes. be a safe place. He wants to be a, a significant place for yes. people. And by doing this, he was actually hurting people. Yeah. And he'd never thought of it from their perspective. He was just thinking of it, of the excitement of it yeah. all. So we already, at that point, we were going into consultant mode. You know, are you open to some input? Because I had some damage to repair. I had trained them that what I do is scan for what's wrong and then speak to it with concern uh, and, you know, three steps they need to take and here's what you do with conflict management. I was just training, teaching, instructing, shooting, oughting all the time. So I had lots of repair to do. So I kind of went to consultant mode a little early because of the repair that I had to make. And things turned around and they actually started to want to spend time and they actually started to ask for input, started to tell their secrets, which is what I want. I want mm. such a profound relationship with, with my children. They begin to open the vault. They begin to open up what they have hidden inside, whether that's shame, whether that's dreams that they weren't even aware of, whether that's insecurity, negative emotion, whatever it is, I want it, right? Because mm. that's the way change happens. When, when we're not struggling by ourselves with the vault door closed but we actually bring it out with safe people and get it to the light get it to the place where jesus and his truth can get to it because the, the truth will set us free but you we usually you know we need some help we need we need each other in the body of christ to say oh it looks like you're struggling how can i help you how can i walk beside you uh, and so just learning how to connect, connect, connect and be a safe place so that they would begin to open up that vault door and let me in. And that experience is a highlight of parenting, mm. right? When I start to get into their secret place mm -hmm. and, and they begin to trust me with what's really going on. Uh, now trust me with what's going on in marriage or what's going on in parenting or what's going on in finances and they begin to come to you and I and talk about the thing that's not working the thing that they actually would like some input on that that's a rush that's the thing I dreamed of mm -hmm. you know and so at this stage it feels like our voices have power mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we want to help all parents have it's like learn how to connect with your kids and go appropriately through these four stages of parenting so that your kids actually want your input they're coming to you going, I, actually, you're my consultant. 
you're probably my primary consultant and I want some input about this, mm-hmm. whether it be your finances or friendship or vocation, destiny, calling, my relationship with God, conflict management, whatever Future it is. Future spouse. Yes, whatever it is. I want to be in their front row. I mean, that's a whole different talk, but I want to be in their front row. And I realized that because I was stuck in cop mode, I was getting shoved to the back of their theater. Uh, They weren't not, I I didn't have any power. So that was a massive shift that I had to make, which, which was not easy because I wanted to stay in cop mode. I wanted to, to, to warn them at every opportunity. And I identify with those feelings. (laughs) And I so appreciate that you, in our relationship, kind of navigated me through this. And help me understand, even though I knew it in my mind, in my heart, that mother's heart that just wants to protect, Mm -hmm. um, you helped navigate me through this to see that this would actually be the most beneficial way to raise men. And the the movement towards coach and consultant seems to also come along with respect, that you treat your child with even greater and greater respect because you're acknowledging that they are Moving into adulthood. Yes, yeah, and I mean, some. I mean, Dr. Gordon Newfield's book is is weighty. It's a lot of research. It's phenomenal. Uh, Jennifer Kalari, uh, she's a child and family therapist, has just taken his concepts and brought them alive with her book, Connected Parenting. So practical. She's the one that developed the calm parenting technique. You know, learn how to connect and then have that to be your number one. Uh, priority and then affect watch your affect and match your child's affect their facial expression and then learn how to listen really well through discovery and exploration questions that don't have any judgment because even in my question I can bring judgment and concern well you're not going to do that again are you I'm just asking I think we need to do another podcast just on calm parenting because it's so powerful or learning how to ask great questions (laughs) that don't don't have judgment and accusation that don't feel like a trick is this a trick do you feel like a loser just asking. <laughs> Do you think that was a good idea? Yeah, I'm just asking a question. <laughs> so sometimes we shove all of our concern in the context of questions and then kind of say, hey, I, I'm not judging you. I'm just asking. It's like, no, you're just not. asking. <laughs> and then the M would be mirroring. Mirroring, yeah. Actually learn to feedback to them actually what they're saying in a way that's not judgmental, which opens up the vault. It, it, it causes them to want to share what's going on inside. And then they're not alone with their thoughts and feelings. They're not alone with their negative emotion. And that's phenomenal. That's the power of relationship. You know, relationship can really hurt us, and relationship is usually what heals us. So, um, so yeah, I, those are those are phenomenal steps. Uh, now, as you increase in, in the, the coach and, and consultant, as you increase uh, opportunity, you know, it's like when you get to drive, you're, you're whatever, 15, 16, 17, whatever state, country, province you're in, that's an increase of opportunity, but your responsibility also increases. Mm-hmm. Right? So as we go through that coach mode, it's like, okay, we want to now give you the the opportunity to either stay up a little later or to, to go over to your friend's house, or we want to increase opportunity, but also we're going to let you know that that comes with increased responsibilities. Right. And so if you don't handle the responsibilities well, we might need to backtrack on that and give you less opportunity until you learn how to handle that opportunity uh, really well. Such a dance. It is, it is, you know, I call it the gas clutch, gas clutch. I'm always back and forth of, Hey, here's, here's, here's an opportunity. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Um, but oh, the positive sentiment override, I want to just flood you with affirmation, encouragement, uh, connection. I believe in you. This is when we found out, you know, I, 
I had our oldest son sign an affidavit when he was nine years old that he would hug me outside of his high school at the age 15 on his 15th just birthday. A I did, and I thought this was I thought it was funny, right? But we got a lawyer, friend, and all that kind of stuff, and so he did. He signed this thing on his 15th birthday. I'm like, okay, uh, you sign. I pulled out the letter, pulled it out, and on his way to school, and I'm like, I guess we're hugging today, and he goes, yeah, not happening. And I realized, like, okay, shoot, we're in that stage where now even the physical attachment has been compromised. And so I began to think and pray, and Jesus, I don't know how to connect with my son yeah. physically. Like the, the, the long hug that we used to enjoy is no longer seems to be an option because it's not cool or because whatever happened. Because healthy physical touch was such a value. Oh, to it's our one choice. of his highest love languages. Yeah. So I began to search and search and search. And so one day I started just to scratch his head <laughs> for this. And he's like, oh, yeah, that works. And I started, oh, really? Don't make a big deal of it. Don't take a picture of it. Just starts to scratch his head, scratch his back. And so even now to this day, I just, I come alongside and start scratching his head and he just leans right in. And we're back to really great hugs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, learning, it's like I want to learn how to, to be there for them. I want to learn how to speak their language. I want to learn how to affirm them both with my words, with my touch, with my gifts, with my, with my time, whatever, to acts of service, whatever it takes. I want to learn how to speak their love language and take it over the top so that we have a lifelong, connected, deep friendship with our kids, which I think is what all of us are looking for as parents. And so even if they don't make those choices, we can be asking, how can I support you? Yeah, absolutely. Not how can I prove to you that my way was the right way all along. No. Yeah, no matter what, I want to be here for you. I want to get inside the vault. And so sometimes it's just learning to listen to a lot of negative emotion for a long time. Yeah. And then, are you open to input? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, what 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 does love look like for you right now? How can I love you really well? That's right a great now? question. You know, and say, and they, and I don't know. It's okay. Well, I'll try a few things. I think we try to, maybe yearly. Maybe that's a bit too much. But I know that we regularly will ask, "How can we increase trust with you?" Yep. Yeah, what have I done to break trust? What can I do to build trust? Those are those are powerful questions. And our kids won't often know, but just the fact that we're asking means that we're opening the door. I want to hear what, what I'm doing that's breaking trust, mm-hmm. and I want to hear what I could do to build trust. I think something that's inherent in what you're saying, though, is the assumption that our kids want our opinion because they see something in us that they want to model after. And that is daunting, because if we are going to say as you know, say to them, you know, do as I say, but not as I do, mm. there's no credibility there. Now it's okay to say, you know, this is where I screwed up, but I learned from that. The only value of regret is learning from it. You know, so to be able to say, I have not lived, you know, the life that I would have wanted right. to, but I want you to learn from my mistakes. Right. Absolutely. Fortunately for us as parents, there is a God-shaped desire in each kid to connect with their parents and get affirmation from their parents. I mean, I've worked with thousands of people and I just see this every time. Mm-hmm. I really wanted my dad, even if they didn't respect or want to emulate their dad's lifestyle, I, I really want my dad to hear me. Hey, look, dad, look, dad. You know, it's like even see videos of like, mommy, watch, watch me, watch me. And it's like, what's going on? It's like, there is a God-shaped desire put in each of yeah. us to get some attachment and connection from our parents. And so yeah, for those of you who feel daunted, it's like, oh, I'm probably not the model that my kids want to emulate. 
okay, what changes are you willing to make about yeah. that? Secondly, God has given you an advantage because he's put a desire inside of your children to be attached to you, to, to be connected to they you. They might fight against it. They might. That's called rebellion. But a rebellion, remember the, the formula for rebellion is lots of rules, low relationship equals rebellion and resentment. So just increase the relationship, right? Knowing that God has put a desire in them even if it's buried or even if it's damaged, so he's put a desire inside of them to connect with you. So you, you know? actually automatically have power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you were their hero. You were their first uh, understanding of what men or women look like or, or what marriage looks like or what to do with finances or how, how relationship with God looks like. And that made, I was like, oh no, I've screwed up everything. Like, no, you can actually re rebuild and so even if you've messed this up and realize that you're stuck in in cop mode you can repent i've had to repent to my kids many times oh that was a cop move i'm so sorry let me back that up i actually want to reframe that and i want to learn how to be a safe place for you so you're suggesting that you might even want your kids to know about these stages oh yeah absolutely i want to talk them through even at a very young age right now you might be in cop mode right but we're going to go to coach mode and then we're going to go to consultant mode and I want to learn how to be a safe place for you. I want to learn to get how to get in the vault so you, you share your thoughts, feelings, and secrets. I want to, uh, your shame. I mean, I love to get at shame because shame seems to be a, a massive tripping point. You know, the sin that so easily entangles is often shame or insecurity or fear or anxiety or whatever. And I want to get at that. Not because I, I have the keys, but I, I just don't want you to be alone in your negative emotion. That's so huge. You're just talking about being with. Yeah. Just being with Emmanuel, him. God with us. So important. Incarnational living. Like you are coming from a place of being apart from and yeah. saying, I want to walk beside you. Yeah. Just by being connected to somebody, it lessens the pain of totally. whatever you're walking through. There's a word in the Old Testament, Yadah, which is uh, used 500 times. And it's just this word of to be, to be known and to know and be deeply respected. Mm-hmm. And God uses it, you know, he wants to know us and he wants us to know him and he wants this mutual respect. And I look at my relationship with my kids and I'm like, oh, Yada is what I'm after. Yeah. I want to be known. I want to know and I want to be deeply respected and I want to deeply respect you. So what's in the way? What am I doing that doesn't go towards that? Because this, I think, is what God has designed us for, a desire to be known, to know and to be deeply respected. That's, that's kind of how we're wired. And so family becomes this place where either that works really well or it famously blows up. And if it blows up, you get to repent and go, I'd like to to redo this. I'd like to learn how to be a safe place for you. Right. And then you get to write either write letters of apology or (laughs) take them out for dinner and say, I can't believe I did this. But teach me. You know, we get to teach each other how to treat it. Teach me how to love you. Teach me how to to be a safe place for you. And that becomes gold. Like wouldn't we all like that for people to come around us? Like, would you teach me how to love you really well? It's like, <laughs> what? You'd like to learn how to love me really? So it just becomes outrageously powerful. This is so good. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Thanks for just pulling it apart a little bit because I know that it's just helpful to be able to put an umbrella over everything. And again, cheerleading goes throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we're in cop mode, we're cheerleading. When we're in coach mode, we're cheerleading. When we're in um, consultant mode. And the wild thing is, if you have a larger family, you might be in different modes 
with each child. Yes. You might have one in consultant, one in coach, one in cop, and one in caregiver. <laughs> well, yeah, it depends <laughs> if you had spread your kids over 20 <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it really, it really is possible. Absolutely. So, um, as your kids are aware that they, as their freedoms increase and their responsibilities increase, that you are going to walk beside them in a different way. Yeah. And that you're not going to be treating each sibling differently not, no. because they're they're in different stages. Absolutely. Also with different personalities and all that. That's so good. cool. Thanks. Right you're great. <laughs> Thanks for enjoying the Radical Relationships.love podcast. If you want to check out any of our multiple resources or get in contact with us, feel free to check out radicalrelationships.love.